0: 3 4 I was a beetle I crawled Run. the floor then I stepped oh, yeah. now I it. don't crawl uh, anymore I was Play a it. beetle Shuffle. I crawled across the floor then I got stepped on now I don't Play you crawl back anymore you need nothing I but I knew that I I yeah! I you didn't do the right thing
1: Yeah
0: Who're ready Uh, I, I don't care how you are doing. <laughs> check, check, this mic. This mic's not on. This mic, okay. Gracias.
1: I know what you mean. Did I hit that?
0: You don't have to tell me how it feels. Kill. Shit Musicians Say podcast and Momentum Media Marketing present The Forearm Shiver Experience So So we uh,
1: we, kind of gave an overview of of where this is headed and then we were trying to get back to the the roots of what um, you gave a little story from you know, Shockproof and how transformed into the shivs. the Shivs. and and we rotated in and out with, with Ryan and and Josh, the pizza man, the pizza king, and um, and a little bit about, you know, you and Nick throwing, uh, forks, knives, and axes <laughs> at each other for a little uh, while. Yes,
0: uh, yes, we will get to that all in good time,
1: and and then uh, we remembered. Uh, a little bit of the early days of going to the Eclectic Cafe, The Cafe Eclectic, and it was like, oh my gosh, they're playing out. Let's go see, uh, <laughs> let's go see these guys play out. And it was, you know, and, and we uh, met the hippie.
0: Yeah, and I wish I could remember that guy's name. I'm gonna have to try and dig that up so I we can formally apologize. <laughs> I wish you I could, uh, you know, faithfully describe the look on that guy's face
1: <laughs> hippie if you're out there you yeah. know who you are cafe
0: eclectic the guy who ran it man it seems like his name was tim for some reason i don't know why i remember that but i don't think we i for to his credit i think we came back
1: Oh yeah, you, yeah. There, there were, what's funny, there were two visits, I do recall.
0: They are like, okay, maybe those guys stopped hating hippies, I'll have them back.
1: I hate hippies.
0: <laughs> oh shit. You know, I don't, that's like one of the songs that I don't think I have a copy of. That never got recorded, much like a couple of the other ones that we talked about.
1: Well Steve, um, I am sending some of the cassettes I have and those video tapes to get
0: digitized
1: digit digitally transformed oh
0: so we might be able to have like a a youtube link to put in the I, podcast I, notes um, i think we'll Should definitely we say how ugly we all were at that we, point we'll definitely, we haven't aged well so um we won't put any current pictures up
1: i, I don't know we'll, we'll definitely have that and um and there might be some clips um so for film school at iusb i was in a in a video class and i did a project where we interviewed people at rainbow farm i got uh, on the back of a golf cart and we rode around and interviewed i
0: don't remember i didn't see that ever
1: we interviewed people there and um and i did (laughs) we did a video of forearm shiver and Where we I interviewed you guys at different times, and it was oh like, yeah,
0: i remember i I watched that when I digitized it, like I know I've got it somewhere like we've talked about i can't uh, I can't find it I'm in it's a, a little the, cringy, it's cringy, especially for me because I feel like um, Eric and Nick, for the most part, like the one I'm thinking of, like there was. A section where it was all three of us in a room, and there was no way you were going to get a straight answer, anyways. But there were separate interviews where you did them, and I just couldn't stop giggling because I couldn't take it seriously. <laughs> and then I, I felt like a dickhead at, at the end of it all, like seeing how Eric kind of took it a little serious, and Nick took it serious, and I'm like, oh, so I was the only one that was like giggling like a schoolgirl the whole time because I could. <laughs> Like, yeah, I well, think my stock answer was like, uh, "What's your inspiration behind blah blah?" I mean, the chicks, and that was like my stock answer. Like, it,
1: the, oh yeah, you but did, it
0: probably yeah. actually was the truthful answer at that point. <laughs>
1: <laughs> there, uh, I remember we got uh, astronaut. There was a quote from uh, JFK in there.
0: Oh, yeah. Forum? Yeah, yeah. you got the... Uh, Forum
1: Shiva. Yeah. Ask
0: not what your country... Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I yeah, can yeah. see that in my uh, mind's eye.
1: Well, I've, I've kind of been spacing out here for a second because I wanted to make sure I looked up and got the number correct. So, Hippie Man from Eclectic Cafe, if you can please call 888 we have a operator standing by to take your message. Again, that number is 888-201-0858. 858
0: We're going to have to start releasing these so that people can actually call in.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we sure are. All yeah. right, Steve. Well. You know, we, we, we talked, a, again, we talked a little bit about the history. We talked about the music scene at that time. I mean, we're going back to the time when the Tiananmen Square stand down went on. Mm-hmm. There was lots of stuff happening in the world. The walls came down. Um, we're seeing the the rise of the Cold War again here. But we were a part of that generation where all this stuffs just started, things started to free up. And, and you're right. You would You were having rappers playing with rock and roll guitarists at that time Mm -hmm. it had never happened there was just this mish mosh mix of different styles and the music scene was changing and while all these new styles are coming out you know forearm shiver was one of those right
0: right yeah i mean i don't know where we fit in amongst that because we weren't given the chance but but no i mean it was and I, i think i said it the last time as far as um there was so much going on where you would have a band like jamiroquai or pantera and anything in between you know you had you know at the at the beginning of the 90s uh the pixies and you know stuff like that but it was a I wish I could speak more eloquently about the climate of the music in the 90s because it was like anything goes and it was very freeing for us you know
1: and I think that's also what made it difficult for the industry, right? You know, oh, because yeah. you have these people who are used to putting everybody in boxes, and everybody had their uh, silo of different music styles. And now those silos, the walls are coming down, and it was like, you know, so not that I feel sorry for any radio execs or mm-hmm. any any label executives, uh, because I'm sure many of them came out okay, but um, there. A lot of independent artists you know didn't know where to hang their hat and so it made it difficult to, to well I mean,
0: i think it, it for something like that it kind of oops it's it thins the herd a little bit whereas you know if you're chasing what the next hot thing is by the time you're you get there it, it's already it's gone. gone like like if you're trying to be stone temple pilots well guess what there's already one of those you know so if and i'm trying to not be present the pretentious here but like if you weren't being true to yourself you know forget about it you know so do you know there was room for everybody if you were genuine if you were the original article if that makes sense you know what i mean because there was so much going on and it was okay to be who you were like i said like the bands i checked pantera Heavy metal or Jamiriquai, you know, and that's just you know two random names picked out of the air, you know. Jamiriquai Jamiriquai couldn't have pretended to be (laughs) Pantera,
1: you know what I'm saying? Though, (laughs) like, Uh, it's funny that um, during the last show, um, you said um, that you did not partake of weed, and um, the last five minutes would um, give evidence as to challenge that really
0: <laughs> oh, damn <laughs> being, i'm not very lucid today no, and i no, apparently not I'm just, but
1: i'm just giving you a hard time man no it's, well it, i mean it's, I,
0: it's it's trying to paint a picture as far as like you know we're talking about the the climate of the 90s whereas if you go back to let's say the 80s you were either like a pop star or you were a hair metal band and if you were anything else you were kind of on the fringes which is what gave rise to the 90s as far as alternative which alternative turned into mainstream but you know what I'm saying
1: yep yep it sure did yep so. and and you couldn't be wrong listening to whatever you wanted to listen to back then a- exactly you and, know and, and that was
0: it was a great time to be a music fan
1: what's interesting is i think um, the last couple of years we've seen some some of that come back again like the different styles of music mm-hmm. we're we're seeing so you know i mean it's times 10 um, you know, where people are now playing and, and mixing up different styles of music, so.
0: I, I have a, a, th- a theory that I'll try to abbreviate the best I can, but it's always seems like it's the odd years. So let's say the 50s, you know, there was, you know, nobody knew what was happening there, so it was all over the place. Then 60s, you got really homogenized as far as, like, Motown and the Beatles, which the Beatles were all over the place, but so you can't really.
1: But take not there in the sixties. It was it was in the late sixties, early seventies that that they really got a little more crazy. They, they were predictable,
0: the, right? Well, they were broken up by nineteen seventy, but moving into the seventies, everything was all over the place again. You had you know Led Zeppelin, Casey and the Sunshine Band, you know, and on and on. And then in the eighties, it got back to homogenized pop music. Everything had to look right then in the 90s and so on and so forth. So whether that theory stands up over time i don't know but it is in my head like
1: that that is very interesting you say that it'd be great to hear from people um if anybody like that guy's full of shit (laughs) so maybe don't call (laughs) if if you have a recording of a toilet bowl flushing, yeah this is what i think of your theory sir (laughs) please call in um well i want to talk about some of that early, early music so um let's say if you had to pick out three songs so um last week um, we talked a little bit about Oklahoma City.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We talked a little bit about
0: I think smoothie
1: smoothie,
0: which no has nothing to do with the content of the song, which is how it should be.
1: and, and <laughs> in this week, um, you know, what are some of those we we finally got our songwriting down. Can you, put a, can you put those in a time frame? Like, you know, what came next?
0: I think it, to do that, we would be jumping ahead because I feel like the last official release being, if and anybody knows Forum Shiver at all, is the green CD, which was Forum Shiver 3. So I think that's where I really feel like everything came into its own. And, I, and by everything, I mean even the production because i feel like the first two we not only were still searching for that you know the gel per se but like for being south bend in in you know the mid 90s we had quite a few studios and i'm i'm not talking badly about any of them but the the first three song ep i remember there's something in the liner notes about when we went to mix it like it was recorded good but when we went to mix it it was on a saturday and the guy was itching to get home to watch the notre dame game so it got like a real quick mix and we ended up going to
1: that was at tombs
0: yeah 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 and i don't remember what the name of the studio was but i remember his last name but i won't be smirch it right (laughs) but uh well, he I knows mean, who he is yeah but
1: anybody in south bend would give him a pat on the back because you know he's watching out for his irish yeah this is true
0: um but um like going forward then we went to um uh, cherry, street. cherry street and that i mean those guys know who they are and i um the guy's brothers and a drummer is a drummer in one of the bands it's Uh, current right now uh in crimson in crimson sorry but uh yeah pat is his brother and those guys still kind of doing stuff with a member in atlanta but um great guys but at the time they were using like two inch tape so that had its limitations so the production on that one kind of suffered a little bit plus uh tony was his name um yeah bayless tony. um tony bayless. he mixed it and bless his heart for doing this he mixed us like we were quiet Riot or twisted sister <laughs> and it came out like that but it wasn't necessarily what we wanted but that doesn't make it bad but in looking back you're like once we hit that third release the production kind of came up and i think so did the songs you know Or at least that's what I'm telling
1: myself. Yeah. So, (laughs) do you want to talk about the Cherry Street Studio?
0: What about it? Didn't.
1: Performances?
0: Wait a second. Okay. So, I'm going to skip back for a second because I made a note at the end of the last episode because I was like, I couldn't remember for the life of me when you came in. And I made a note. It said, Where did Shane come from? Question mark.
1: So yeah yeah well here here's what happened so I was a And uh, I think it had
0: something to do with Cherry Street.
1: Yeah, I was a reporter at the time and and um so I I covered songs I could write or stories I could write my own stories I could name them I uh, I made myself uh take a <laughs> I called up a parachute company I was like I need to do a story on skydiving and so I got a you know a four-hour lesson on what not to do when you jump out of an airplane and did you get
0: that for free because you were doing the story i
1: got to uh interview people and and i got to jump out of a plane and there was there was no cost was <laughs> you're brave, braver man than i well, how,
0: <laughs> how about let, let's let's uh do a non-sequitur sequ here but how, what about that uh mushroom hunting story did, did was there <laughs> yes. any benefit from
1: <laughs> there was <laughs> that would have to go back to the partaking thing. Actually, I was desperate for a story and uh called up uh, Bobby Johnson, you know who Bobby J? I I think uh, we're
0: going to try and get Bobby J on cuz he was uh <laughs> present for a lot of this as well.
1: So um but uh and then Eric um you know I'm, uh we're, we were high school friends uh in fact back into high school I was a a student correspondent to the daily local newspaper, the Elkhart Truth, and we did a story on him as a drummer. Oh snap! And so we might have to dig
0: up that footage.
1: (laughs) So when uh, check your credentials, sir. (laughs) When we were trying to find, you know, and, and and I think you know Eric had invited me around, so I played a little bit and jammed with an acoustic and eric was always just looking for somebody to jam with it didn't matter whether you were good at it or not he it gave him an excuse to hit the drums and yeah then...
0: obviously by my presence <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so eric and i jammed out once in a while and i think i came and listened to a couple of your practices or i was there before at the end of a practice and um and then, uh, Nick and I started, uh, hanging out and we found some things in common <laughs> and then, uh, it was I'm, like, I'm
0: letting so much shit just go <laughs> by right now. Like, I appreciate your,
1: I appreciate your, your, uh, kindness there. But, um, and then it was like, you know, where are we going to get money to hit the, the studio? I don't know. All of a sudden I'm like a part of you guys. I'm, I'm, I'm helping, uh, uh, carry band equipment and uh once in a while i would uh i was invited up and i got to play we we did a hardcore version of george jones um you stop loving today. Yeah, <laughs> i remember this <laughs> so uh i, I kind of got to be the uh, fourth man in a three-man band once in a while and uh, was kind of like a part-time manager for you guys it was it was a fun time and uh, there was a little piece of me that wanted to be more of a musician but by that time i was married and and um it just it tied
0: down <laughs> it as you just,
1: were it just didn't match up the my social uh tendencies uh hanging out with a bunch of musicians was not fortuitous for a marriage so um i chose the latter but I got to still uh, participate with you guys. and, and um,
0: You actually sang a vocal on a song that we're trying to uh,
1: and, and locate. That, you know, that was actually, um, I had it on an old um, iPod, and I had found it like two years ago, and I was trying to figure out a way to get that music off of there, and I hooked it up, and it wanted to erase my iPod because mm. it didn't have the same login, um and uh finally it died but sounds like a job
0: for one of them genius bars
1: what we what we did was um we found out that tony bayless had this studio and he was he was starting it in his home he eventually moved it to a retail location oh yeah he
0: did yeah he was uh uh, in the back room of a music store or something like in parkmore plaza
1: yes yeah exactly and uh but before that happened we thought we could maybe leverage a little bit of publicity with some studio time. indeed. And so that's where things, uh, you know, really came together. I mean, we were, um, I, I just, I wanted to help you guys. And, and so it was like, okay, let's make a deal. We'll do this story on Bayless. And wink, wink, Tony, uh, maybe you can... Um, Record
0: a couple songs, exactly. if you will.
1: And, and, and hence... Um, forearm shiver got frosted.
0: That we stu- yes, we, we did. <laughs> <laughs> like so many tips in the late nineties.
1: Oh yes. So uh, so that that was my entrance, and that's actually a good segue into you know some of the songs that were that were on there. Rotten Sea Monkeys. Rotten Sea Monkeys. Um,
0: Which I listened to because I've been boning up on this stuff, and realized I think I wrote that riff and completely ripped off Urge Overkill. But not a bad, not a bad band to rip off. you want be ripping off a band,
1: and it had a great, it had a great hook, not only um, with the guitar, uh, but with uh, you know the lines, rotten sea monkeys and if you are a child of the 90s then that means that you were probably a kid of the 70s
0: and knew exactly what the hell it is and know which if anybody's listened yeah. to it now and you're not either of those you'd be like what the
1: hell are you're going yeah, to you're gonna have to yeah you're going
0: to have to google that shit <laughs> <laughs> it was always in the comic books and the yeah, yeah.
1: yeah and and but it was a great metaphor for uh, yeah. getting
0: ripped off yeah it sure was. <laughs> it was it
1: was a great song and so maybe we can do we have that do you have that yeah i got that all right i think we're going to hear a little bit of it now
0: pause for insertion
1: <laughs> that's what she said <laughs> snap. oh all right so that was rotten,
0: rotten sea monkeys
1: so after oh. uh, rotten sea monkeys i mean i'm, the- I'm trying
0: to remember I, I should really bring well here's the thing that i think we kind of touched on but and you were around for it now that i think about and i answered my own question when we started talking about the cherry street thing i was like that as soon as that came out i I remembered okay that yeah shane wrote the story and because like we were talking about the last episode where you know the um little bit of the acrimony between the original and the cover bands was cover man or uh, original bands couldn't make any money because you know bar owners didn't want them it wasn't until like i think bill finn started booking cheers and then even more so before that, Shockproof would book park pavilions and just throw our own shows. And, you know, that's that how you raise money. That's yeah. the only I mean, you need and it wasn't like you were trying to legitimately make a living at the point you're trying to make enough money to get, get studio time it, right? and right. and uh, get shit printed. And that was it. Yep. You were just cash flowing, you know.
1: Yeah, and then I, I I don't know how many copies of of that Cherry Street production were made, but that's when I started just getting all kinds of stamps and sending them out and finding mm-hmm. addresses to people, and that's where um, we, we were able to fill up quite a bit of your scrapbook with rejection letters. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: I got that somewhere. <laughs> we should definitely have a PDF that accompanies uh, some of this stuff so you can see, like, the i'm i'm I really just broken hearted that we don't have the
1: <laughs> <laughs> the answering machine tape i i, and I if, knew if, if some,
0: you if you will we, we actually
1: g- saved that yeah we did point. and and i and, but you know uh what year would we have saved that in nineteen ninety six yeah <laughs> so it there's been a few moons since twenty five years ago dude
0: that's fuck don't say, ever say that to me oh wow yeah (laughs) we
1: were (laughs) we were the anyways if if we had a baby back then that that child would be the age that
0: old enough to drink get married played well i think we do have children that age. i have a son and so do you they were born around the same time oh my god yeah so in 98 yeah. yeah so uh there's that
1: so but think back to that and actually i've got that tape
0: the cherry street studios yeah what, okay. what
1: what other songs are on there
0: soundtrack um really, really memorable really memorable hold on um i think we actually so the version of beetle that we'll be teasing this entire time um that people know is on the third disc but we did a version of that on the cherry street studios i think we ain't all the same was on that maybe and i'm rifling through my notes real quick here oh good things yeah you'll earn my respect at the indie wait what's the line damn it so yeah good things And just for a, um, as a note, because there was only three songs on the first release and six songs on the next, when I re-released these a couple years later, I put them all as one, as a release called Dose, D-O-S-E, as like a play on, on, um, the spanish word for two no coward is that it that is it yeah damn yeah We're knocking the dust off some shit right there oh you lost your there uh, you go can i see that or are you you're using his notes beetle tow truck Tow truck. <laughs> so, tow truck. There's, there's like two or three songs that we did were like thrash songs that I absolutely love, like '80s thrash. That's kind of starting to come back with um, uh, Municipal Waste and uh, Power Trip and bands like that. that but Tow truck was a thrash song. It was
1: awesome. Digital mastering at Waveform Studios. Yeah.
0: Which means he took the two-inch tape and rendered it digitally and made it sound a little bit better.
1: Just a rotting corpse and wanting more.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be a Nicholson lick.
1: (laughs) That's got Nick all over it.
0: So the one thing I kind of wanted to touch on so early on, um, and this is kind of sad to me after the fact because I remember talking to Nick when Shockproof got together, got back together a couple of years ago, is he never really moved on and did anything after Forearm Shiver. And the reason being um, is he had kind of a, a primitive style when we were initially getting together. So, like, I feel like I formed a lot of what I did around what he could do, which kind of gave us a certain sound. And he came along, you know, but he was so unique in that playing style that after forearm shiver, you know, went the way of the Dinosaur, he didn't, he never really found anybody sympathetic, shall I say, to his uh, needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As far yeah. as like the, the, wanting the, to play with him. Cause he ran yeah. into guys that wanted to play covers and we never did covers per se we always did renditions so push me push me so i
1: can't exist (laughs) oh my god dude yeah yeah and that's just it you you guys did you 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 challenge each other you just went in you went crazy you got to know each other's sounds and then you know they're uh, like in any relationship i mean and I, i my god i tell my team to this day it's a lesson i learned later in life but familiarity breeds contempt you stop trying to right you know you you stop trying to be polite and you are less understanding of other people and eventually you get on each other's nerves you guys like crossed that it's a it's a human nature thing but when you're aware of it you can as a you become adults you understand how to manage that and and um but at that age you just you blow up but when you guys came back together you were gelling again and you guys did come up with a unique sound and i'm going you know i'm not just saying that because you guys are my friends um but um i mean there was some really good music in there
0: yeah i i, I feel like a egotistical jackass by agreeing with you but that was and i'll I'll probably say this a hundred more times in the next couple episodes or however long we end up doing this but this was one of my favorite projects i ever did to this day because of the freedom like like i said if somebody came in with it didn't matter what if it didn't matter what it sounded like and the importance of you know, filling in the blanks with the shockproof thing is there was five guys in that band. Now I don't know, like you've talked about your team and whatnot here. So it's like anytime you have lesser people, fewer people, this is correct word, fewer people to agree upon something, the better it is. And the more streamlined it is and the faster it goes. So coming from shockproof, which was five guys, not the burger place, To going to three guys, it was just, man, we were, you know, and that's something I kind of touched on earlier was it just got so streamlined from the first EP to the second EP to even the third release, which was our first full length. You're talking like less than a year and a half with all those things. And
1: A lot of growth. I I
0: really feel like I I had another band in like the early 2000s to 2010 where I made really good notes and blog entries and whatever and kind of really recorded the trajectory of the band, which I'm glad I did. But I really wish I would have done it with this because like the timeline gets a little bit skewed other than what we can pinpoint with the releases but i mean everything just happened so fast but it seemed normal at the time like you know the output was ridiculous like you know i get into bands now and i'm not talking shit you know about any of my bandmates but i mean and it may be a myriad of different reasons but to finish a song it's a little harder you know when you're not getting together when you're not 20 years old and you're not getting together three times a week
1: there's the difference i mean there's a little bit there's unbridled passion in youth Mm -hmm. that it that creativity sort of in in some ways dissipates as as you grow older or you learn better how to manage it but there's something about the wildness of just like playing fast, playing hard, getting together, saying, yes, I like that. Somebody else saying, no, can you change it? And again, you... you and
0: being think, open to and, and you're taking open those suggestions. To, yeah,
1: and, and you're right. It's harder. Increase that crowd to five, and you, you can start to shut down. But there was something about the freeness of the three of you just being able to um, confront each other. There was, there was good, you know, it, it just as much... What's funny is I remember... People getting mad, storming out, cooling down, smoking a cigarette, whatever was happening, coming back. Smoking something else. And and picking right back up where you yeah. left off. I mean um
0: there was never a whole lot of grudges held except for towards the end there, and then I mean, even then we
1: You figured it out. We
0: figured it out. You know? What
1: about good things? Do you remember that song? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that
0: was good uh is. I want to say push. Me. Yeah. That was the you'll earn respect at the end of my fist. Yeah. That was the, the hook. <laughs> that was, that was like, i tell you what. So, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that you want. That was the first song where I remember going, that's that line written by Iroquois. Um, that line was hooky enough and punchy enough. I was like, that shit could be on the radio. Yeah. Or it could be like something that, For heavy metal kids to fucking rally around, like that was my first peek into. Okay, I'm having fun doing this and creating, but that shit could take us a little further than.
1: Yeah, do you have that
0: on digital? Yeah, let's play it. Okay, let's play it.
1: Blah 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 blah.
0: Are are we going out now? Yeah. No. Well, how much time we got? You're gonna obviously going to edit this out, but... <laughs> we don't
1: have to, yeah, we don't have to rush it. Okay. So there was a little bit of, um, you know, uh, what at the time I thought would be a skater's anthem, <laughs> What's to that? tell you the truth.
0: That one? Good yeah. Things? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it ran the gamut, really.
1: I mean, this is this is back when Clerks was, like, the popular movie of the moment. Right, right. The guy was, like, going sideways, scratching the records. and Yeah. And making some crazy, you know, stuff. I mean, this was about reality.
0: So it looks like I started to make notes from that six songs at Cherry Street. And the note that I have, and it's the only one from that, I didn't do the rest of the songs for whatever reason, because I got off on something else and filled the pages here. But good things. So, and this happened quite a bit on some of the stuff early on was, you know, because obviously we all came from shockproof reality um the note that i have for good things was bridge was lifted from a shockproof song buried alive so now i'm gonna this is this will be what we can go out on and we can compare notes so we just heard a little bit of good things but the bridge, like i said was from spr song buried alive it was written by either me or Ron. I can't remember. But, flash forward to, and this, I mean, this is even flash forward because I think I stopped working there in 99. I worked for a subsidiary of Washburn Guitars, which at the time, Pantera guitarist Dimebag was endorsed by. So we would get, I, I saw Pantera probably 13 times more. I lost count at some point. I lost my ticket stubs lost count I gave him that cassette and if it, the Great Southern Trend Kill was their next album and now I'm not now I take this with a grain of salt because I'm very honored that this would happen but there's a song on that album called Drag the Waters that is the fucking riff oh my from good things I hand to God yeah I put that tape in his hand so when I'm listening to that album I was like what the fuck so Drag the Water is t- tuned down a little more and there's like a run in it but it's buried alive it's, it's the riff it's the bridge riff from good things that was buried alive right and what am I going to do other than be like oh my fucking riff is good enough for Dimebag to steal like I'm not going to I love the guy to death I'm not going to sue him you know what the fuck
1: but hey, this, this
0: would be the perfect opportunity
1: amateurs borrow professional steal. exactly you ain't,
0: <laughs> you ain't cheating you ain't trying
1: man that's all, well I, let's, let's try to listen to both of these
0: okay let's uh, put those back to back and we'll uh, pick up next week I guess and
1: let's let's catch up on the uh, three the three okay gotcha right on all right